0: Hello.
2: Hello and welcome to Music of the Mat, the podcast devoted exclusively to the music of pro wrestling. It's all part of the Voices of Wrestling podcast network. I'm your host, Andrew Rich. This is episode 149, and it's another Music Memories episode. And today I am joined by a first-time guest here on the show... He is the host of Alan Forel's ProRes Paradise at PW Torch. He's also a columnist at PW Torch. It's the one and only Alan Cunahan. Alan, hello.
1: Andrew, how are you? I am excited to be here. Uh, you said this is my first appearance here on the show. It is indeed, but it is not uh, the first time we have uh, discussed me coming on the show. Do you remember the wrestler you approached me with to? Uh, to do a, a show on many moons ago.
2: I was going to bring this up, yeah, because this is a long time coming, actually. Because uh, years your back.
1: Heart.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, years back, um, back in uh, 2018, I was planning a Zack Sabre Jr. episode, and I offered you the chance to do it with me. First and foremost, and you declined politely, of course, because um, you know analyzing music isn't really your forte, which I understood completely. Um, because so instead, I, would
1: I-, I would have literally, just been like, "Yeah, that's a that's a catchy tune. I enjoy that one." <laughs> <laughs> it's like I am not, I I am not musically knowledgeable whatsoever. I don't know my A sharp from my B sharp, <laughs> and uh, um, from my wristwatch, uh, but uh, I nevertheless i love listening to this show and i'm a huge fan of this show because the way you guys discuss it is great i just think i would have been a terrible guest but when you started doing uh, music memories and i listened to a few of those shows i was like i this is something I might be able to be decent on. And then I I came hat in hand to you and I was like, hey, um, uh, Mr.
2: Rich, uh, do, do you
1: think uh, maybe I could get on one of those shows?
2: <laughs> get out of here, goddammit. Yeah, had your chance. Get out of here. <laughs> no, no, I, I've always had that itch in the back of my head uh, to get you on here eventually. And and with Music Memories, you know, it's not about analyzing music that like we normally do. It's about, you know, a casual conversation about a wrestling fandom, about these memories, which which is your forte, of course, as uh, your many years of podcasting experience can attest to. So, I'm glad we could finally get John here, Alan, and do something that's more, you know, your speed, of course.
1: Yeah, I've I've basically like carved out my niche now in terms of podcasting as guy who talks about things from his fandom he likes, as opposed <laughs> to analyzing current events or like. Yeah, it's. I, I feel like because Japanese wrestling was obviously a strong suit for me something I've I followed like pretty much from like 2006 2005 2006 up until 2019 I basically followed everything that was happening in Japan and I could talk about pretty much everything that was happening in Japan um but after like struggling through clap crowds for as long as we kind of have had to it's And just and not even just that, I do think a lot of poor decisions from the promotions themselves and various different issues. My interest in Japanese wrestling is is at an all time low since I first got into it. So with that gone, God thank thank the Lord for AEW because if it wasn't for AEW, I'd have pretty much. And that's why like people like nitpick aw and that's fair and sometimes create some interesting um, discussions and interesting uh, audio and I enjoy reading about or or listening to Um, but I'm so like just thankful that I have aw because it's honestly the only actual thing happening in wrestling that I well dragon gate as well I I still wear my dragon gate badge on on my sleeve so I keep keep everything with dragon gate uh, front of mind but even with that it's it's difficult with the clap crowds sometimes and when you see a match that you know would just be getting a much better response in the past it's tough but uh yeah i'm i'm just super happy we have aw something that feels like normal wrestling that like it has its issues there's things i don't like about it but being able to follow something that i mostly do like and is exciting is is great but aside from that like when it comes to podcasting I just like, I've got my 34L30 series where I'm just discussing 30 years of being a, a wrestling fan and 30 of my favorite wrestlers. And, um, I've got like recently, I just did the other day, I just did a show about, um, uh, miracle matches and basically matches from the past again, that I kind of consider uh, falling under the bar- banner of a miracle match. So I'm all about going back into my, uh, memories as a wrestling fan and and i think this show will be a a great opportunity to do that
2: well you mentioned your show um this is also a case of me returning the favor because i've been on your show three times now i've been on about once a year or so the past couple of years and um, most recently we did the forbidden door preview back in the summer and uh, every time i do your show it's always a blast we make magic together every time out and uh, i wanted to bring that magic onto this podcast here alan so um to to borrow some lyrics from a very legendary theme song, I want to welcome you to my world, my world. It's time to leave your mark <laughs> in my world, my world. And unlike Jeff Jarrett's theme, I do want to hear your big mouth talk, Alan. So there you go.
1: <laughs> I, I, I'm picturing like a Garrick, you're going to spring Garrick kidney on me as you uh, started singing. He's going to just walk through the door strutting, doing that Jeff thing <laughs> where I, I pointed this out on Twitter a couple weeks ago. I love the Jeff thing where he just starts like, He just—it's this taunt he does where he just—he's doing it for years and I never really kind of noticed it before. Like Jeff always does that where he just kind of like sweeps his arms out like he's telling the whole crowd to evacuate the building. He's like, "Get out of here!" It's (laughs) like he's get—I think it's because it's what the guys used to do before doing like the Fargo strut, but he just does a much more aggressive. animated version of it now. <laughs> it's like clear it away. Get out of here. Jeff Jarrett's coming through. It's my world. So um unfortunately Garrett is not here to to do that for us.
2: No, no. But uh he's here in spirit, I think. There is that at least. So <laughs> yeah, but um but anyway Alan, you know, this, this is me? the first time on the show. oh sorry, go ahead. Oh Sorry, I muted myself as I started talking. Um, me
1: and, and I'm I'm such an audio expert here. You you think I you think I've uh, not been doing this for uh, 14 years? But uh, um, yeah, myself and Garrett had our our one meeting under underneath a tree outside an O.T.T. show in 2018, where we uh, we talked shop during intermission. Um, it was a real it was a real meeting of the pro wrestling minds. Uh, me and Gareth uh, um, uh, just yeah. Hashing out, talking, talking scoops, trading info, um, trading war stories. It was, uh, it was a, a, a great, to- a great opportunity to meet Garrett, and I hope I get to do that more often.
2: Mm, for sure, for sure. Well, uh, anyway, uh, since it's your first time on the show here, Alan, I'll ask you this question that I ask all my first-time guests: How'd you become a wrestling fan? How'd you get into it? Way back when?
1: Oh well, um, my earliest memories, like obviously, like. Because I got into it super young. So those really early memories kind of blend together. And it's hard to say this was the first thing I saw. But I know like comfortably like the first handful of things I saw. And they certainly stand out. And the one that I think was the earliest was an episode of whatever syndicated show, Challenge, All-American, Superstars, coming on afternoon weekend on sky one in probably 1991 and there was an a, a local kind of come to your area promo um that they did with a bunch of wrestlers back to back like they used to do on, on the tv back then and they had earthquake jimmy Hart, and i feel like there was a third person in there and i don't think it would have been typhoon you know it wouldn't have been typhoon if it was 91 it might have still been dino Bravo. Um but anyway, Earthquake and Jimmy Hart were definitely there. And Earthquake was jumping up and down, creating a ruckus, and I was like, Oh my god. And he said, We're coming to the UK and oh, I'm coming to your town and And even though I'm not from the UK, I am from Ireland and this was threatening enough uh, proximity wise, I got (laughs) very scared, especially when he said he's coming to to your town. I was like, because he pointed right at the screens. I just thought he was pointing to me, telling me he was coming to your town, Alan. And uh, I ran outside stricken with terror to where my dad was uh, trimming the hedges in the front garden and uh, I called my dad down from the ladder that he was uh, on. And I um, just started probably ranting at a mile a minute. Uh, this big guy jumping <laughs> up and down, he's coming, he's going to knock on my door. Like, I remember thinking in my head, the earthquake was going to, like, literally knock on the door of my house with Jimmy Hart. And, I don't know, start bouncing, Um, maybe sit on me. I'm not, I'm not sure, but I was really... Really worried about this, and my dad had to uh, squash those worries. And um, then, like my probably my next memory um, that would have been after that again involved my dad because um, I was watching the Macho Man Jake the Snake snake bite angle, and after the snake bites the Macho Man's arm, you see the the red bit of blood streaming down, and I remember my. Uh, i was just in awe my dad just goes that's tomato ketchup <laughs> and i was like i was like uh, even as a six-year-old at that point i was like hang on now dad how going it be tomato ketchup there's all these fans there like how would they have been able to pause get out a ketchup bottle put the ketchup on his arm with all those fans sitting there watching doesn't make sense. So I called my dad's bluff on, uh, on, on the logic element of it. And I didn't know about blading at that stage, but even if I did, it really wasn't a a blading thing. He, I guess Macho Man, like legit, let the snake bite him to cause the blood. So that was probably as legit as it comes. So, uh, um, yeah, my, my, my dad, uh, Papa 4L was, um, you know, a little too cynical
2: back then yeah i'm trying to remember I, as a kid whenever i watched wrestling with my dad he never you know was like oh that's fake and stupid or whatever He he's always like going along with it which i think well, is mine pretty-
1: still does it now if i try to show <laughs> him something now it's like yeah it just call. he just loves to call bullshit on it like the i watched an episode of rampage last christmas when i was staying over at my parents and he was in the room as i was watching it and yeah uh, he buried everything except hook uh. He was like he had. I forgot what his comment about Hook was. He was like something like, oh, they're really, uh, they're really make, they're really gonna make him a big thing, aren't they?" <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah, I guess so.
2: <laughs> a man of culture, I see. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, you, you but, don't,
1: you don't remember having similar burials from your dad? You were saying.
2: You know, I don't think I ever did. No, my dad's always been very supportive of me being a wrestling fan. Um, like, like it's never really been our. Big bonding thing that's always been more movies and TV shows and, and stand up comedy or whatever. But, um, but no, he, he's always been very positive about wrestling, and my mom was too, as well. So, yeah, I I have no, uh, no shared experiences in that regard there, Alan. So,
1: yeah, my mom pretty much never, my mom is like just not a TV watcher, really. Not an, and she does, she's not someone who engages in entertainment too much. Like, she's just kind of you know, prefers to worry about, like, her life and, like, you know, uh, doing her job, raising her children and blocking out <laughs> everything. It's like, very kind of, like, Marge Simpson-esque. Never, like, kind of gives herself a, a chance to, like, enjoy something. And, and she doesn't, like, have the attention span to watch TV or anything. She just... So, like, sp- she's never been in sports. Like, would kind of... Have, she, she'll watch the news, so she'll have, like, enough knowledge of sport just from the, the news, but, like, she used to... When I started watching American football, she's that's weird. I literally just got a text from my mom. Um, she's listening in. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it, when I started watching American football and MMA around the same time, she just branched all that under the umbrella of wrestling. Like, she'd come in, I'd be watching American football, and she's like, oh, you're watching your wrestling. Or, like, MMA and wrestling, I can kind of see but why she thought american football was also under the umbrella of wrestling i guess just cuz it was from america and i was watching it at weird times maybe that's it but yeah it was uh, um yeah they uh they it was definitely my my hobby that i did not uh share with with my parents whatsoever but somehow uh through um i don't know uh, those initial forays into wrestling that i described i um, became just a gigantic fan that obviously like talking the time frame of when that stuff was happening like the, the year that followed was when the UK and Ireland just got into all things Americana and pro wrestling WF in particular had a huge huge popularity boom over here and I mean you couldn't go to any like toy shop or stationery shop without like seeing the WF branded stuff like they deserve so much credit like the wf marketing machine and it was a small machine back then like whether you credit vince or linda or whoever they had running the show on that end of things like they deserve so much credit for how much trash merch they got into the uk in 92 like i had big boss man underpants and uh, <laughs> like bret hart socks and um pencil cases with like the legion of doom on them and like all the magazines posters and all this kind of stuff it was so easy to get it was everywhere they did a fantastic job with that stuff and that probably leads us nicely uh to what we're going to talk about it, andrew
2: yeah in a couple minutes here for sure um well i want to ask you this too uh i know analyzing music isn't really your thing but has music itself played a big part in your wrestling fandom at all
1: i i would i would call it a nice um accompaniment to my wrestling fandom like there there have been songs over the years both entrance teams and songs for wrestling shows that have really um uh, that have really like you know do you really catch on to and to get over with you to an extent but i would say it's less that music has aided my wrestling fandom than wrestling has influenced my music fandom as sad as that is because <laughs> i um just was ne- like i was like i i probably was watching wrestling for like four years before i ever bought a tape or an album of a song like the first music i remember buying was like 1996 you know um and i, I just I never went to concerts. Nothing like that. I just wasn't a big music fan. I had no issue with music. I just would like to be things I'd like here and there, but I, I was not a music person. You know, um, like most people are. I think it's a fairly common, uh, thing that a lot of people are into, especially in their formative years. And it just really wasn't for me. And then, um, it's actually not not one of the the songs or we it's not one of the topics we're going to talk about today but uh i do know that when i was kind of getting into indie wrestling and japanese wrestling particularly with ring of honor with all the songs they used for for their guys for entrance teams that introduced me to like so many bands that i like afi for instance like i i have so much AFI music that I've listened to over the years since discovering them while I was in college, not because I like was given an AFI CD, but because I downloaded Miseria Cantare on like LimeWire or Kazaa and then downloaded a bunch of their other songs off the back of that. And it was similar with a lot of kind of like um, some of the Japanese songs as well. and um, Like even as, even as mental as this is, this is gonna re- I can't believe I'm admitting this, but I got re- well, I already kind of like I, I talked recently on podcast about my my love for Shakira, so I, I already yeah, <laughs> I heard, I heard, I al- yeah, yeah, I was already a big Shakira fan, but then I remember on an early episode of um, uh, Figure Four Brian and Vinny show, one of those shows, it would have been. It would have been Cinco de Mayo 2006, because F4W Online started in June 05 and it was a Cinco de Mayo. Brian played for the opening of the song, or the opening of the show. He played, um, excuse my voice going here, um... uh, her name is, uh, Julie, I don't know if you even know if she's that famous, but Julieta Venegas, uh, uh, may voy. it was the name of the song. I was like, Oh, listen to this catchy, uh, catchy tune. And, uh, I ended up like downloading two of her albums. <laughs> I was like, ah, yeah, it's fantastic. She's a great accompaniment to my Shakira songs. <laughs> so yeah, very, uh, That also led to me having wrestling. Led to me having a very like eclectic taste in music because the big thing was that I could associate songs or whatever with some like happy wrestling memory or something, and that would lead to like just real variation. So it would be like AFI on one hand, and then Shakira on the next, or or (laughs) Juliet of an AS, or like insert like. Random Japanese band like um oh I love um I love uh what are they called Shona uh, Shona um, Nokaze uh they are a Japanese reggae band that uh, Fujita Junior Hayato has used a bunch of their songs as entrance music. Big fan of theirs. I have loads of their music. So uh, and I still have like all my music as MP3 files on my computer. Sarah's always like telling me to get on spotify and stuff like this and i'm like no i have my songs i like to listen to my songs (laughs) i'm very awkward she'll she'll hear me playing some music and she's like the quality of that is just terrible (laughs) (laughs) coming through on my laptop speakers (laughs) yeah but anyway that's uh so yeah wrestling has more influenced me in terms of music rather than the other way around
2: I can attest to that as well, uh, not just with the iTunes thing, because I still have iTunes and all those songs, uh, and Spotify too, but um, but also, uh, I mentioned this before on the show, one of my favorite bands is Rush, and the reason I discovered Rush is because the theme song for SummerSlam 04 was Rush's version of Summertime Blues, and I was like, oh, this song is pretty good, I wonder if the other songs by this band I'll like. I, and, I got into it the same song oh hey there you that go song
1: and then uh yeah then a bunch of other ones as well i didn't become as big of a fan of them as you seemingly but yeah that song that song caught me caught my eye as well caught my ear in that sense
2: mm-hmm. yeah they're probably like the biggest band i've i've gotten into through wrestling i suppose uh but but yeah my, my itunes is like it is littered with bands where i've just got i got one song i got one song by them and it's because I heard it as a theme for like you know <laughs> Judgment Day oh five or or No Mercy oh seven or or what have you. But um, but yeah, ra- wrestling has probably been all you know, the, one of the big...
1: all the new metal as well. Oh,
2: like, new metal and and rap metal and rap rock and all those all those favorites for sure.
1: <laughs> like I absolutely got into Creed and Limp Bizkit big time when I was a teenager, purely off the back of. Uh, the WWF Desire videos and Undertaker using Roland as his uh, entrance music.
2: Yeah, yeah, I'd say wrestling and uh, guitar hero slash rock band are like the two biggest entry points for me um, in finding music I like and, and listen to to this day. So, if I have something to blame for my music taste, it's it's that I guess. So. Um. Anyway, let's get to the episode proper here. Enough with the preamble. Uh, uh, This is, of course, a music memories episode. And if you don't know what that is, it's when I have on a guest and they share three examples of wrestling memories that are strongly linked to music in some way. It could be a wrestler theme. It could be a show or pay-per-view theme. It could be from an album, a game, a movie or show about wrestling, perhaps whatever it may be. And um again, like I said, it's not about analyzing the music. It's much more about these, you know, fun, casual conversations about these memories and about our fandoms and whatnot. And uh it's funny, Alan, um, you mentioned this earlier talking about how, uh, you know, you're one of the most well-versed wrestling fans I know of, you know, you've watched so much wrestling over the years of, of various companies and countries and styles and eras. And, Before I reached out to you to do this, I thought to myself, you know, I bet Alan's going to have a really tough time only picking three examples, and... (laughs) sure enough later on you messaged me like oh andrew i hate you so much this is so tough i can't pick it's tearing me apart and i was like <laughs> i knew it i i knew it <laughs> it was
1: it was like it was like casting aside children i was like because it wasn't just specific songs i was casting aside it was like whole sections of my fan like the, the i i shoehorned in the ring of honor talk there because it was like that was something i really wanted to highlight it was just how much when I was in college, like hearing the different ring of honor themes when I'd get the DVDs and you'd only be hearing like small snippets of these songs. Yes. They were badly like for a good chunk of time. Like you could barely hear them as well. Um, Cause the, the audio was really poor. Um, So, but, but it was enough. Like it was enough to get me to, to into this, these different songs. So I had like a, an example that would have represented that, but I had to, leave that on the chopping room floor and um there was a couple of others yeah that were that were really hard cuts, especially ones that had sort of specific stories attached to them. So maybe down the road we'll do a we'll do a part two. But uh the, I'm confident the three that I've settled on uh are three good ones. I was spoiled for choice here.
2: Mm, well well with you we could do a part two, a part six, a part twenty, you know, <laughs> whatever it may be to keep it coming back. It's it's fine by me. It's fine by me. But um But uh, anyway, let's get to it then. Uh, Alan, what is your first music memory for us? Well,
1: I uh, mentioned earlier about the WF marketing machine uh, taking full advantage of the boom in the UK and Ireland and Europe in general in the early 90s. And this is a great example of that because my first choice, Andrew, is WrestleMania by the WF superstars from WrestleMania, the album. Who will survive? andrew this one i i just think back to this it really represents that era well to me of kind of when i was like by early 93 late 92 when this was was done like i was i was fully entrenched like i was i was so entrenched that we were able to l- basically lose WFTV tv over here with because uh, Sky One, which it aired on, dropped off our sort of basic t- cable package that we that we had in, in my area. So I I lost all ability to watch WF, and I followed nineteen ninety three WFs pretty much solely through the magazine. And whenever I'd be at a friend's house who had Sky Sports, and I was able to because that was like a premium extra add on to your cable. That um, my family again not being sports fans were very much not inclined to ever get. So I knew the door was shut on that. So occasionally I'd be able to watch some stuff over at someone's house, but it was mainly through the magazine. I was following the promotion and I still have strong memories of that year, even though I followed it in such a way. Uh, I didn't going back and re-watching so much of it helps, but um I was able to do that because, again, I was so entrenched uh, by the end of 92. Like I... I was just watching every moment I could of this stuff when it was on TV. Um, I, I was buying all the merch, as, as I explained. I never again. I wasn't a music buyer, so I was never like in the 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 local record stores or anything like that, and never actually bought this album. Um, I I probably wasn't even like aware of like that I could, uh, to be honest, um, because I was, I was so young. I was more getting the posters and the pencil cases and the underpants, like I said. Um, so uh, this was something that I would see played on TV. Like they'd play snippets from, from music videos or, or things like that. But also it would just be used in video packages all the time, particularly this song from the album. And it's the classic WrestleMania theme to me. It is a song that I woke my wife up to on the morning of our first time uh, going to a WrestleMania in 2012 in Miami. She was woken up in her hotel room by this being absolutely blared and me just strutting around like a lunatic, a lunatic (laughs) guy. She wasn't, uh, she wasn't over me yet at that stage. So, um, like, she was, she, she was mildly entertained. If I did that now, I'd probably get a, a headbutt or something. But, uh, um, yeah, it was, uh, it's it just like, yeah, it's the classic kind of WrestleMania song to me. And obviously, WrestleMania was such a, a, big kind of part of when you're a WWF fan. Like, WrestleMania is like the pinnacle, um, to the point of of parody now. But, um. Uh, Certainly for me, uh, in my formative years, it was a big deal, and um, the extra bonus you have here is all these little promos that uh, the WWF guys did. We get Brett, we get Bossman, we get Tatanka, we get the Nasty Boys, who promised they're going to shove Nasty down our throat, all through 93, Um, a promise they lived up to, but not so much in the WWF, uh, because they left uh, pretty much right after this came out and went to WCW so uh, not the, as nasty a year as they had planned um, but uh, Andrew I don't know if you know this about me but um, uh, ever since um, I was a little bitty boy I've I've wanted to become a law enforcement officer <laughs> <laughs> and I've wanted to stand up for just yes the big boss man was in there and he has a, a great promo uh, and he lets us know that this night sticking these handcuffs, they're an instrument of justice. Uh, um, but uh, yeah, the, the the big one that's a memory to me here is, is Brett. Brett was my guy. Didn't, didn't care about Hogan. Thought he was phony. Brett was my guy and uh, I have a 34L30 done with uh, Lee Malone about Brett Hart. And I, if you, want to know more about how much brett meant to me as a young fan i I spell it out there but um his promo and this just sums up brett to perfection and it's it's a good confident promo because he probably did a couple of takes and it wasn't live so it's like brett with his best kind of talking ability that he had at that time and um just very simple, very true to character. He's like, I'm, I am the excellent of execution, boys. There's a new gun in town. So he was the new WF champion at that point. So um, that ruled. Um, and uh, yeah, it's awesome. What do, you, what do you think of it?
2: Oh, it's quite the bop. Yeah. <laughs> um, we played this song a couple times before on the show. Um, early on, we did a WrestleMania themes episode. And then uh, me and Joe Gagne did an episode about WrestleMania, the album. Which is what this is on, obviously. And um, you mentioned Lee Malone. Uh, me and Lee did an episode a few years ago about the McMahons and their themes. And this is on it because the instrumental of this was Linda's theme for many years. So, so there you go. And uh, yeah, every time I play it, I get I get happy because it's such a a bop, as I said. Um, and the album, you know, it, it's funny. It's a precursor to an album that came out around the time I became a fan. Uh, WWE Originals. Um, which did an episode on as well a few years ago. And uh, that album is much like this one. It's it's a bunch of, you know, at the time, current WWE wrestlers getting in the booth and and quote unquote singing <laughs> uh, their own songs. So you had like Kurt Angle do it and Booker T and Trish and Chris Jericho and Rikishi and all sorts of people there. So this album and this song is very much, again, it's a precursor to all that and WWE Originals, that was the first album I ever got as a wrestling fan. So, you know, chances are, if I had been born a few years earlier and gotten into wrestling when this album came out in in 93, this could have been my first wrestling album. Um, And much like WWE Originals, you know, it's... I wouldn't say it's a great album in the traditional sense, (laughs) but it's still a fun time capsule album, that's for sure.
1: It's certainly not great in the traditional sense. It is a classic example of how... Uh, When you're doing mass uh, production of something that you want to have, you don't want to put a lot of time and care and effort into making, but you want to sell a bunch of. This is like a great example because um, (laughs) I guarantee you like the songs they had and like the superstars voiceovers that they recorded were. Nothing was done for the purpose of specific songs. I'd say they just got each of these wrestlers into the studio, got them to churn out a bunch of um a bunch of promos, and then they just lobbed them in wherever. And it was like, Yeah, this will do here, this'll do here. And the best example is that this song, WrestleMania, of course, famously starts with, Are you ready for the Survivor, for the Survivor series? series? Who, Who will, will survive? survive? <laughs> yeah, and uh I, I, I know you know the answer to this, Andrew, because you are, in fact, the computer, but listeners, you may not be aware that the uh, the man who actually said that line on WF TV or on WF uh, taping, I don't know if it was ever on TV, it probably wasn't, uh, was one Jimmy Jam Garvin of the Freebirds, who very briefly came in and did like an announcing deal uh, in the WF and yeah, I, they taped a bunch of stuff and just exists as stock footage and not something they ever uh, really went any further with. But he, it's standing up in the,
2: the green screen podium. He
1: sh- yelled that out one time and it made it to this song, Living in
2: Immortality, is Jimmy Jam Garvin. As a kid, did you ever think, wait a minute, why is there a sound clip of, I said, are you ready for the Survivor Series in a song about WrestleMania? Or, or did you not care about
1: it? Not at all? as a not as a kid. It was it was when I like sort of rediscovered this song or this album, I guess, in in an ironic kind of sense in like in my twenties and I was like, listen to this stuff, like you know, that kind of nostalgia kind of when you go back and and uh, and and look at things from your youth, like it was it was at that point when I played this and I was like, Oh yes, yeah, the WrestleMania song. Why does it start with Survivor Series reference? That's weird. <laughs>
2: Yeah, well speaking of weird, I mean, I think this is a good example of, you know, the WWF being like in its own world because the album came out in 93 and at the time you have stuff like grunge and alt rock and gangster rap really dominating pop culture and yet here's the WWF with, you know, this 80s sounding super polished new jack swing kind of little pop music, you know, it's it's a little strange for sure the contrast. I mean, I mean at the time to be fair, at the time the WWF was still very colorful and, and family-friendly, and it was nowhere near later on in the decade where you had the Attitude Era and it was all swearing and boobs and metal and all that fun stuff, you know. But, but but still, I mean, it's a good example, I think, of the trend of WWE kind of being in its own bubble, especially when it comes to like contemporary pop music and what's popular at the time. Because it feels like, you know, WWF is always like five years behind current trends, and I think that's pretty evident here, Alan, <laughs>
1: Absolutely, and I think it's they had the right production company to achieve that uh, with the Simon Cowell led. I'm trying to get the um, the name of the is it Stock Aiken and Waterman? I think was yes. Yes. Um, yeah. So like this was the group that put out like Kylie Minogue and. Um, a bunch of like boy bands and stuff like that, and obviously led to Simon Cowell being a becoming far more famous later in his life as part of the uh, the X Factor he was on, and then he might have done like an American show as well. I I don't remember. Really American, you know, American Idol. He was the big guy. Okay, well he he is like obviously a big deal. I'm sure most people listening are aware of him, but they might not be aware that he was like the producer behind this, and obviously with it being an, an English company producing it. Um WB outsourced it obviously, but also uh you, that's really given away with the uh the macho man song where they repeatedly call him <laughs> Macho, macho man. man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the Macho Man. Macho but man. Which like anyone over here would say macho, but those of us who are wrestling fans all say macho. So um yeah, it's one of those uh one of those little things. Like, there's there's a few things like that in my verbiage that I pronounce as an American would purely because I grew up watching the WBF um, and might make people who didn't over here kind of turn their heads and raise an eyebrow. <laughs>
2: I can imagine. I can imagine, yeah. Um, well, that was number one. Uh, Alan, what is music memory number two?
1: Well, Andrew, we're going to fast forward quite a bit here. Um, Let me think, 24 years or so later in my life as I'm, uh, sorry, no, 14 or so years ago i'm aging myself more uh uh, 14 15 years later in my life um i'm in college starting in college you know talk about college being the time of your life for you yeah spread your wings and try new things and let loose a little bit and i certainly did that because i got myself into the world of japanese professional wrestling in a big way and independent professional wrestling um but uh yeah just you know i uh I, I I was <laughs> experiencing new things in college, and one of those things was Dragon Gate slash Toriumon. and I uh, just very quickly became a huge fan of this promotion. Its history, uh, I lapped it up. I was uh, the the promotion that I most got into when I started following Japanese wrestling was Pro Wrestling Noah. And I was sampling out different things from different promotions, but it was when I found Dragon Gate, and when my friend Michael Smith from the F4W board sent me a for the F4W Secret Santa uh, in 2005, he sent me um, the a comp tape he made of uh, a bunch of Toriumon stuff and a couple of DVDs, and. I just got so into it and I started following Dragon Gate because, of course, at that point it had just switched from Toriumon to Dragon Gate. So I started following Dragon Gate as it happened and the song I would routinely hear on these shows was one, Dragon Storm. DragonStorm Storm is a song which has varied over the years. There's basically, like a new version of Dragon Storm every year or two that they have, and they'll play it at the start of shows, and they'll play it um, for video packages. It was used as the intro for the TV in 2004, right at the right as they changed from Toriumon to um, Dragon Gate. The TV show had this amazing anime-style opening video, which just all the characters of the roster in cartoon form going through this adventure and all these scenes that, like, represented their characters. So, like, Genki Horiguchi would be, like, pulling up on a surfboard on the beach, and um, Anthony W. Mori would be sitting peacefully in a meadow. Uh, The heels, Agen Iseo would be chasing... um, Uh, i forget who they were chasing uh some poor baby face um all this great stuff just that really just showcased the characters of the promotion and this was the classic version of dragon i believe the original version of dragon that played on this video and as i said over the years it's changed but year to year it only really changes kind of subtly but it's, if you go back and like listen to the version of Dragonstorm now compared to that original one, it is quite a bit different, but um, from year to year, you don't really notice the differences as much, and a big thing for me was going to Dragon Gate UK shows in for the first time in like 2009. Mark Sloan from A Merchandise who promoted those shows and the, the Noah UK shows, his big thing was authenticity. He did not want to cut any corners when it came to making these as authentic as possible. Um, I think that was something that was a bit of a difference between DG USA and DG UK. I don't think Gabe put much thought. It Gabe had other priorities, you know, like Gabe was all about his booking and stuff like that, because he was doing more shows. With the Drag UK shows being more standalone, sloan was more focused on the event experience and as many nods to big time dragon gate fans as possible and also making the wrestlers feel comfortable so they had uh, a dragon gate sized ring they had dragon gate um, uh, ring uh, dressings like the turnbuckles and uh, the apron all that kind of stuff and then something i remember posting on the UKFF board like in the the giant thread where they'd be putting updates for for the show like making wrestler announcements and stuff like that um i remember posting like ah oh, they've gotta they've gotta play Dragonstorm before the show and sure enough on the first show and every show thereafter Dragonstorm would play letting you know the show was kicking off and I just remember the first time, just uh, pretty much every time when that song would play, I would just be buzzing with excitement because it was like it made me feel like I was about to see a tr- true, authentic Dragon Gate product.
2: Yeah, you sent me the clip of the anime intro with this song, and it's it's amazing because yeah, it's it's a full blown anime style intro, and I've seen so many wrestling show intros over the years, and they all tend to follow the same mold of you know live action shots of guys posing or hitting moves. Not this one. This one, you've got like, you know, a a cartoon dancing Magnum Tokyo. You've got a cartoon Naruki Doi with a baseball bat and like a very, very cute looking dragon kid with giant cute eyes and all that stuff. I mean, compared to just every other wrestling TV intro I've ever seen, this is wholly unique. I've never seen anything else like it. And that's Dragon Gate. You know, I, I mentioned WWF, kind of being in its own little world, I mean, so is DG. You know, there are times where they've done cross-promotional stuff with other companies and uh, the big ROH stuff back in the day. And, And nowadays, they've got guys like Shun Skywalker and SB Kento hopping over to America and Mexico for little trips. But, you know, Dragon Gate, it just feels like a company that in and of itself is its own unique thing. They have their own style. They have their own familial atmosphere and tone. And, you know, these... TV intros like this one go along with that. And if you're someone who's only used to a certain way of wrestling being presented, and then you're shown this clip, (laughs) you're going to remember that for a very long time, I'd imagine. Um, And you're going to be very curious about, you know, what the heck's going on with this company, that they have a full-blown anime intro, for God's sake. So yeah, very, very cool and very unique of of Dragon Gate to have that kind of thing, Alan, for sure.
1: Yeah, I think the end of the clip really speaks to what you uh, were, were getting at there, Andrew, because... It's like they show all these little the the scenes with the cartoon characters and then it kind of comes to an end and this giant gate opens and a a dragon comes out and a dragon basically wraps around someone who's more inclined to being able to describe these things would do a far better job than me, I'm sure. But the (laughs) dragon like kind of emerges and like wraps itself around everything that's happened in the 30 seconds and then wraps itself into the form of the dragon gate logo so it's like that universe is just being just locked in within this logo that has emerged from the gate it's it's so cool um it really is Um, i assume uh it was the gaiora um television company that produced this intro um they are where Toriumon and, and Dragon Gate have had their TV since their inception. Um, so and a, a company with very high production values. Uh, if you were a fan of All Japan B Banquet back in the day, um, that also aired on Gaiora and would have great production. So um, yeah, I, I would assume they should take the credit for that. Have you seen uh, any of the other uh, Dragon Gate TV intros? There's... The 2006 slash maybe early 2007 one is one that I think you'd really like. Um, it's uh, set to uh, "Sting Me" by the Black Crows. I think I've seen um,
2: that. Yeah, yeah. It's
1: really cool. Like the it's it's not animated, but it's the um, the way they do it. The special effects they have on it are just so awesome.
2: Yeah, I mean, obviously, I haven't seen all of them, but. Um... Again, I hear that these things are, are all pretty cool and unique as far as TV intros go. Um,
1: it's, kinda, so. th- these days it's, it's kind of... These um, days, it's kind of... Because you still see some of the Giora shows uh, when they do live shows on um, Dragon Gate Network. I have ones that are live on goora simultaneously with the network airing. So you still see the the intro there. And for like the last four or five years, the intro's been kind of generic. It's, it's pretty much the same song, and it just shows little bits of footage of the wrestlers kind of coming down to the ring, um, in their different groups one by one and, and kind of puts their name up on screen or so it's I don't know. I that's been a bit of a disappointing thing for me is how it was so different. It was always a big deal to me as a weekly Infinity watcher, um, whenever you'd get a new intro, like maybe every 18 months or so. It was like, oh, there's a new intro to Infinity. It's so cool. Um so uh uh, yeah, The fact that they've kind of stuck with the same generic version for a while now, and they just replace guys as they move on or move into different factions and stuff like that, and replace some of the footage, but it's generally the same, that's disappointing.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of a recurring topic on these Music Memories episodes, which is, you know, the passage of time. And how time always moves on, and, and things change, and... We look back on certain wrestlers and certain companies or golden eras or whatever and we may have thought at the time, oh, this is fantastic, it'll last forever, it's never going to go away and then the cold slap of reality hit us in the face <laughs> and time moved on and things changed and they went away and looking at the intro here, there are just a slew of recognizable DG you know, legends in this video, Shima. Yoshino, Doi, Genki, Ryo Saito, Don Fuji, Milano, uh, Stalker Ichikawa. The list goes on. And, you know, these are guys who at the time, I'm sure people thought, hey, these guys are Dragon Gate Stalwarts. They are DG through and through. They're machines in the ring. They'll be around forever. And, yeah, nowadays, some guys are still there. Genki's still there. Ryo Saito's still there. Don Fuji. But there are a lot of guys in that video who are not still there for one reason or another. You know, Shima... Yoshino, Magnum, Milano, those guys are gone and they've been gone for a while and they've been replaced by newer and newer generations of guys who somehow seem to just pop out of the ground. I don't get it. Like the dojo, they just seem to churn out guys left and right like crazy. It's it's weird, but all the more um,
1: reason why I'd like to see a sort of fresh new intro that they could use or some video packages that they could use to allow these guys these new guys kind of feel like they have their own thing that represents them, um, because like when I think of that anime intro, to me that represents that crop of the guys that came around that when Dragon Gate started when it split from Toriumon. Like that's that crew represented in that video, and I'd love to have something that represents the D Courage and Skywalker uh, natural vibes crew that we have nowadays.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah I mean that's the thing about Dragon Gate You know even when things change and, and guys move on or whatever I think the general um, spirit of the promotion still remains So yeah I think a lot of guys right now would fit right into an anime intro um, Like you said Shun and and SBK and uh, D Courage and, and Diamante and Hyo and uh, the Natural Vibes crew of course they would, they would all fit right into an anime intro I think very well Um, So, yeah, hopefully one day Gera will shell out the cash to, you know, make a new one. How about that? That'd that'd be nice.
1: (laughs) So, Andrew, uh, I think I'm ready to get to uh, theme number three, if that suits you.
2: Uh, That suits me just fine. In fact, I was about to ask you this very question. Uh, Alan, what is your third and final music memory for us?
1: Yeah, well, you teed me up perfectly with this by uh, talking about times changing and, you know, Things don't always stay as they are. Uh, uh, people move on and, and things like that. And a huge part of my wrestling fandom was something I never really saw coming um, for like the first uh, 15, 16 years of my wrestling fandom. I never really saw coming that I'd have a close to a decade of certainly seven, eight years of regularly being able to attend live wrestling like several times a month um without too much hassle to have to go to shows and to be seeing some of the best wrestlers and the most exciting wrestling and, and the biggest happenings in uh, certainly independent pro wrestling um i i didn't see that being a thing. I didn't see the indie wrestling boom that we would had in the 2010s kind of coming back around, um, particularly on this side of the world in, in, in Europe. And a big part of getting to experience that was, you know, getting to go to shows with Sarah a, a whole hell of a lot and a lot of friends we made along the way. Um, so from like 2000 and Uh, 12 I would say to 2019 I was going to be at OTT shows like five minutes from my house um, flying over to the UK and going to Rev Pro and big shows in York Hall or progress shows in the electric ballroom Um, and of course regularly going to WXW for uh, what started is just kind of going over for 16 carat weekend. And then that became a bigger thing with more people going and it would be Carrot weekend tag league weekend in the fall. And I would be going over for other shows as well in between. And just the, on top of like the great wrestling and the great wrestlers and the careers that blossomed during that period. And I'm, I'm just focusing on the positives of that period because there were certainly uh, um, many negatives that we uh, that have come to light um, mm.
2: uh,
1: and came to light over time with that. And, um, you know, have have show we've seen the error of um, we've seen the errors of that period um, in, in recent years and, and what lessons haven't, haven't been learned from it. And, a lot of people have kind of moved moved on, but um, to get me back on track here, uh, the, the wrestling itself was great, but what I think about hugely was the party, and I don't mean like the after show parties, because that wasn't my thing, I... Thankfully, steered clear of them, um, which was a better decision in hindsight than I even realized at the time. Uh, we would go to the shows, we would hang out, we would have a great time, and often at these shows, the shows themselves would feel like a party, uh, particularly at WXW and particularly at a big carrot weekend or a uh, World Tag Tag League or Tag Team Festival, as, as it changed its name to. Um, you'd get like a dozen Irish, maybe two dozen Brits, a couple of Americans, people from all over coming in, in addition to all the crazy German fans and Austrian fans that would be there. And it, everyone was just in such great spirits, you know, a lot of booze flowing, I'm sure helped as well. And uh, it was just, the energy was just there on some of those, some of those weekends, and some of those trips to WXW and i don't know if any song represents that energy and really that period of being happy at live wrestling for me then i don't i don't think any other piece of music best illustrates that than a song that probably people who weren't there don't even know and that is nordish by nature by fetis brot ghostbusters remix
0: Ein, zwei, ein, zwei, drei! mal, hey, hey! Sechs mal, ho! Hey. Das ist an der Klo, so Platten, in der Disco. Yo, ich bin der jungen am Platz spieler Und so, der leg auf der Seite, wie in der Ligge-Diller. Du hast verstanden, wie ich spiel. Wie uns den
1: And that song was the theme music of a young tag team called Hot and Spicy, the Mac, and Axel Dieter Jr., who, of course, is now on SmackDown, is that right? As yes. uh, Ludwig Kaiser, uh, part yes. of Walter's crew. <laughs> um, so I saw he wrestled Rey Mysterio a couple of weeks ago, which is pretty wild. But, uh, I first started seeing him uh, back when he was an extremely scrawny, kind of awkward, but you could tell there was a talent there. Young wrestler um, teaming with his partner, the Mac, who was just full of energy and charisma. And they had a connection with the German crowd, which was above kind of what you would think it would be based on their skill level at the time, but they improved really quick and they got over really, really big as baby faces and they had good heels going against them um, over the years that followed. Uh, just from 2013 to whenever Junior left, they were just a huge part of WXW and their music just set the tone for them because I hear this music, I close my eyes and I just think of everyone in the Turbine Halla just going wild. And the the first time I think I experienced it live, no, I because I remember it being, uh, I remember it. A, 2013 no, no no it would have been the, 20, the 2014 Carrot so this was the first time Sarah went to Carrot as well and uh, I was I was kind of not sold on, on Junior as a wrestler I thought he still had he was still quite green and uh, as she is uh, not shy about reminding this is absolutely one for the Sarah's right folder because within like 20 seconds she was like oh he's going to be a star he's and I was like, oh, he's still kind of rough around the And she was like, nope, doesn't matter. He's going to be great. And uh, she was definitely right on that one. Um, but uh, they came out for their tag match on night one against the Inner City Machine Guns, who famously would be getting huge reactions wherever they'd go in the indies by coming out to Lionel Richie's All Night Long. And that song was just ridiculously over at indie wrestling shows in 2014 it's it's crazy and you wouldn't have thought that any other piece of music would stand a chance against it but the crowd went even crazier for nordish by nature and you had the there's a video on youtube of basically wxw fans won't let match start or something like that because all the fans were just wanting the they were chanting Play the music, play that. Can, can I curse here, please? They they were chanting, Play the fucking music, do that, do that, <laughs> play the fucking music. And and the wrestlers were obviously like totally, um, uh, just G in them on and egging them on. And uh, it, it, it was great, it was really, uh, it was really fun. And I, I just like things like that would happen, but but in general, it was just. Over the years, it was just that music would hit, and it was like, "Hell yeah! Here come hot and spicy! This is gonna rule!" And it was a song which, um, basically, I had explained to me because I was, I was like, would ask people on the production side. I was like, "What is this song? Where did it come from?" It said, uh, "It was basically something that was done by a, a band from the kind of Hamburg region of of Germany, which is where." hot and spicy are from um so it was kind of representative of of their home area in in northern germany nordish by nature northern by nature i i guess and um why it was set to the ghostbusters as a remix i don't know but it worked for the context of a wrestling theme and um the uh what was the other thing i was gonna say oh yeah that was the other thing about um Hot and spicy is WXW would run shows like kind of if the primary shows were in the Turban Halle. If you think of like Ring of Honor in the mid 2000s, the Turban has Oberhausen shows were like your New York City, Philadelphia shows. Hamburg was the Chicago show. And where you had like the Second City Saints, like super over in Chicago. That was the phenomenon you had for Hot and Spicy in Hamburg. And there is a match which I talked about just this past week on my Miracle Matches podcast. Um, where a very, very early in their career, Hot and Spicy, go against the outsiders, not national Hall, but A-U-T as in Austria, Outsiders, uh, Big Van Walter and Avalanche Robert Dreisker and they go like 30 minutes in a just white-hot uh, Mark Tala in Hamburg in front of what became known as Das Power Crowd was the uh, was the nickname the Hamburg crowd got, uh, which included Axel Dieter Sr. in the front row. Just totally, like, there was so much of the match was centered around, like, Junior getting Destroyed in front of his dad, his dad rearing back his fist and selling it in the front row, and Junior bleeding buckets. And this match is insane. And them winning the titles and Nordish by nature playing is like just this triumphant babyface thing for these two young guys. And um, it, uh, just a little behind the scenes story to add to all that. And I, I swear, Andrew. Sorry, I'll let you talk. I'll, I'll be no, no. I'll it's fine. It's all. totally fine. <laughs> I'm just. I know I'm just ranting away here, but uh, me and Sarah always joke uh, about, like, any time you'd come over to um, WXW after these guys were around, um, you'd walk in and be a lot of people, like, they would be, like, enthusiastic and happy or smiling, and you'd get some nice friendly greetings, then you'd get some that were just, like, hello, and just kind of curse and just, okay, (laughs) and then You'd get Junior and Mac, who I don't think it mattered who came up to them or who entered. They everyone got the same thing from those like, Yo, bro, like high fives, hugs, and just they'd be just so excited. Like, I always thought I was excited walking into WXW in those days. They took that to a whole other level, but they were always they would always say when you first met them at a weekend. They'd always get, you partying this weekend, guys? You're partying? you coming out? You're partying? Oh, it's going to be a wild party. They'd <laughs> always be talking like they were going to have this, especially when you went to Hamburg. They'd be like, oh, Hamburg, after the show, it's going to be the craziest party. We're going to hit all these. P-. They'd always talk about all this stuff, okay? And they like, we got to bring you out, bro. We got to show you da, 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 da. And... Uh, one time they did it, and then they had walked away. And, like, I forget who the wrestler was, but it was some more senior wrestler. And he's just shaking his head, and just muttering to himself. And and he just goes to me and Sarah's, we're just kind of like kind of laughter. So, as you just go, you know, like, they like. They like never get up to anything after the shows. They're like the most boring. <laughs> they're like the most boring guys. Their parties are shit. There's never anything interesting. <laughs> and, um, so uh, yeah, that we always we always laugh about that um, amongst us. But uh, yeah, that it's the actual party that they were so hyped up for, without knowing that this was what the highlight of their partying weekend would be would be. The show itself and their entrance and uh yeah i can't help but look back on it fondly um i i think uh junior i i know like that boom and and the uk and european scene kind of would take a hit shortly after he left with the pandemic and and things would shut down but there was like he he left in 2017 so there was there was a good two years there that i think if he hadn't gone to wv I think he would have been the biggest star in Europe. I think as big of a star as Walter became, I think Junior would have become right there with him. Um, He was, he had like three progress shows that he did before he left. And he was unbelievably good on those progress shows. And Ringkampf was just becoming this super over thing. And the, kind of just the ring camp trio of, of junior after he left hot and spicy junior Walter and Timothy Thatcher was awesome. And there is a match between them, uh, putting them and uh, um British strong style from progress show in like March, 2017. I think it was that's so good. And it's like, God, if those guys were just left, be there and WB didn't snap up Tyler and Junior and Walter and pretty much everyone in that match actually now I think about it because Thatcher eventually they even they even grabbed but everyone in that match ended up going to WWE within the next year or two and if they hadn't taken those guys like I mean Jesus Christ the level of talent that was already there in Europe and that was becoming better was just crazy and I think they would have really they would have really shone, but um, yeah, junior. Junior went. He's doing well, and um, by by the looks of things, like, I really enjoyed what I would see back a, a couple of years ago with him and um, uh, what's his name? Uh, I always forget his name. The Italian German dude. Uh, oh,
2: um, well, he's Giovanni Vinci right now, but. Um... He was oh god I'm blanking on the name right now too. <laughs>
1: yeah, I always um, forget. Everyone always forgets. It's so weird. It's whatever reason everyone always forgets his name. But uh um, they had they had a bunch of matches on NXT back when I used to watch that. Fabian that were, Eichner, Fabian that's his Eichner. name. Fabian Eichner. That, Eichner. There we go. That was it. And yeah, they they were a really good team. Um Probably still are if they're teaming together, right? So. um but the uh, uh, Mac, uh, as far as I know, has left wrestling. I don't think he's doing any any wrestling in, in a while. Um, so, uh, but uh, I, I would think that when when WXW the, the, the tag league there a, a, a month ago was was really good fun. It felt like things were kind of maybe inching their way back towards getting a great atmosphere again. I think sixteen carat this coming year could be a blast, and you know maybe if he sniffs out the idea that there might be a party to be had and that energy is back, maybe the missing ingredient is the Mac. Maybe once we get the Mac back and maybe they haven't come out to that song, which they won't do because uh, they don't use uh, copyright music anymore. Another, another big problem for European wrestling was when WXW and progress stopped using copyright music. But alas, uh, we had a couple of years there where we had magic like, Nordish by nature.
2: Well, a couple things. First of all, if the Mac did come back, he could use Return of the Mac by Mark Morrison. It's right there. Alan oh, perfect.
1: Oh, 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 that would be amazing. He would get the you'd be able to build a whole push off him coming back with that as his music.
2: <laughs> and uh, the other thing is um, you did this whole big pick about Axel Dieter Jr. Earlier in the year, I did a Music Memories episode with Paul Volsch of the Emerald Flow Show. And one of his picks was Axel's heel theme in WXW, "Sells by The Servant. And <laughs> you want to talk about, uh, you know, clashing musical stylings there, you know, here you go. I mean, one song is this really fun hip-hop dance song that samples, you know, Ghostbusters and Thriller. Nordish, 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 da-da-da-da-da. And the other is this really slow, moody, dour British guy. The sun goes up and the sun goes down, ba quite the fun little contrast there, I'd say.
1: Yeah, um, that was
2: all very intentional. They put a lot of
1: thought into selecting that theme for him when he was a heel singles guy. They really, and they, they, they came upon that and they're like, "Yep, yeah, this is, this is the one.
2: Yeah. And those songs are in contrast with the ring comp theme, symphony number no. nine, which he also had. So, you know, it's just, it's funny how a lot of guys tend to stay in the same lane when it comes to the kind of music they use for their themes and then there's Axel, who has just gone around the dial <laughs> for his song choices for his theme music. So uh, it's funny to think about that, I think. But um, but, uh, but yeah. Tell uh, me
1: this, Andrew. Who is going to be the wrestler who bounces around enough that they finally get to a Shakira entrance music? Because I have
2: <laughs> yet to uh, I've yet to hear one. I don't know. I'll have to do some digging on that to uh, see if anyone used one of her songs before. I'm sure they have. I mean, you know. Hips Don't Lie was like a massive, massive single. I'm sure someone had to have used it back in the day. Um, I don't know. Maybe maybe Taguchi can use it, you know, at some point in the future. Maybe Taguchi can, uh, you know, bust that one out there. Uh, who knows? But, um, I could
1: see some, like, random mass luchador on CMLL in 2006 come out to Hips Don't Lie, you know? I could totally see that. Um, not even a guy like with a dancing gimmick, just like a generic, like just like a t-tan type guy, just coming <laughs> out to her. Uh, the hips don't lie. I want, um, I want someone to come out underneath your clothes. There's an endless story. That'd be really dramatic. We could get the candles going in the. Uh, maybe just me getting one single candle going. I don't know, but that wrestler'd be over with me if they if they use that.
2: I know uh I know Naito does the entrance with the suit on and then he slowly takes it off in the ring. That might be his doing. That might be his uh, song to use. Yeah. That might be his.
1: Yeah. That would be uh, I hey, I've always been a Naito fan, but there's always room for me to, you know, be more of a Naito fan, I think. So that could be just the thing that that's needed.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, well you mentioned, you know, the party atmosphere and the energy of all those shows that you went to back in the day. I remember, you know, uh, during the boom, seeing people on my timeline on Twitter going to these shows at, you know, Progress and Rev Pro and WXW and OTT and places like that and, and being jealous of them because, you know, I couldn't get to go. Um, maybe nowadays I'm not so jealous because of certain things that happened. Let's just say that. But, uh, but back then I was because it just looked like such a fun place to be. And a big part of that wasn't just the wrestlers or the matches. It was the music. It was the real music that they played to get that energy up and get that party atmosphere going and that's true for this song of course it's true for a lot of songs that were used back in the day that people just got attached to and and sang during the entrances and and sometimes sang during the matches I just remembered actually um, I did a Music Memories episode with uh, Sarah Flannery uh, your fellow Irish citizen there and um, one of her picks was um, Robot Rock by Daft Punk which is of course Bobby Guns' theme in WXW and there's the famous match with Guns and, um, was it Ilya or Thatcher? One of those two. Um It was where... Ilya. I was, I was Ilya, on commentary. Right, right. right. Yeah. I mean, the, the crowd is literally chanting guns, Bobby guns, Ilya guns, Bobby guns, Ilya for like 30 minutes straight, just nonstop <laughs> chanting that. And, you know, real music, much like it did in ECW, much like ROH and the British broom and, and whatnot. It's played such a, a massive role in elevating an atmosphere and making it feel really cool and special to be there, um, as you can attest to, Alan, because you were at all those shows, of course.
1: I can attest to uh, that particular um, uh, moment being very stressful for me as I try to both commentate it and and, uh, and leave it leave it breathe and, and, and that kind of a thing, and not step on the moment, but also try to. Um, ensured that my commentary partner, the always incredibly excitable Rico Bushido, um, who I thought was going to his head was going to explode with excitement, <laughs> but I was more worried that he was about to trip over himself and fall over the balcony as he was like standing up and jumping and climbing on his stool and and there's all these wires around and I was like, oh my God, we're on the edge. This guy is he is He is going to fall over the balcony here at any moment. I literally had my hand out, like, trying to make sure he didn't fall as he was, like, going crazy and waving on the crowd. It was, yeah, very stressful. (laughs)
2: <laughs> you did the old uh kevin kelly move of uh protecting the monitors when a guy would crash into the guardrail in front of him right yeah <laughs> yeah
1: that'd be that'd be even worse of a monitor oh i don't know it'd be even worse but it would be also bad if monitors fell down and landed on a fan's head uh, yes <laughs> um, uh, that 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 might be worse than if because at least if Rico falls off the balcony he's a former wrestler he can he can take the bump um but, uh, <laughs> then again he had probably uh he was probably impaired in some way, shape, or form. Uh, being Rico Bushido and uh, how he enjoyed uh, spending his time, which he is very open about. So I, uh, I don't think I'm letting the cat out of the bag that uh, uh, Rico might be, uh, you know, uh, not, uh, not, not have the clearest eyes during a during a performance such
2: as that. Say no more. Say no more. <laughs> <laughs> I just hope. I just hope it was
1: uh, like a, a little bit of weed and not like crazy hallucinogens that made him think he was like not on a balcony and or made him think that he was in in the middle of like a lake and he was going to like jump <laughs> into the water with excitement like no Rico that's just fans 20 30 feet underneath you don't jump down into them. <laughs> you crazy man
2: <laughs> um we're going to wrap up soon but I want to bring up just one more thing here because you jogged this memory for me uh talking about Axel senior Uh, Several years ago, I went to an NXT house show in Boston at uh, the Aganis Arena, which is where they do Dynamite nowadays, and um, the main event of that show was a six-man tag. It was Samoa Joe and the Revival versus Shinsuke Nakamura, Johnny Gargano, and Tommaso Ciampa. And Ciampa, for those that may not know, he's a Boston guy, you know, trained by Kowalski, the whole deal there, and um, I was sitting, uh, not front row, but close to the front row on the floor. And directly across from me, across the ring in the front row, was this old guy, and he was being very, very animated during that main event. Just you know, super supportive of the good guys, super booing of the bad guys. And at one point, the crowd started chanting, "Old guy, old guy, old guy," because you know he was just such a a big you know part of the show at that point. And of course, as it turns out, that old guy is. Tommaso Ciampa's dad. So oh, wow. no surprised okay. then that he's super amped up and, and invested in that main event there. So um yeah, that that that's my wrestling dad story there for you, Alan. There you go.
1: <laughs> yeah, wrestling wrestling parents in the crowd can can often be magic. Uh have you ever seen like mid 2000s ROH h with mama, mama Lethal?
2: Alan, the, the the sheer timing of you mentioning that, I'm doing a big watch of classic ROH in order and Right now, I'm in the summer of 04, and it's after uh, Hydro leaving Special K and becoming J Lethal. And on some of those shows, you can hear a very, very, very loud, high pitched voice yelling, Come on, Jay! Let's go, Jay! <laughs> Jay, come on. And it's like, hmm, I wonder who that could be. Uh yeah, and uh, I'm also listening to um Through the Years with uh Trevor Damon Matt Fleerstein, and they're going through those who? shows as well and uh you... <laughs> Oh you.
1: <laughs> I, I threw poor Andrew off there. <laughs> you did.
2: You did. Yes, but um but they're going through those shows and uh they mention as well, you know. Jay's mom being uh, extra supportive of her uh, her dear boy there with the chanting which uh gets a little grating at times I think but uh it's also very cute and sweet to see her you know be so supportive of her uh, her dear son Jay there so um there you go but yeah like uh, as
1: much as they 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 like would put focus on her on like the actual like shows in in certain ways but apparently like what you don't ever see and what you experience if you're around her at shows live is like 100 times more intense and greater than like the things they actually did like as kind of part of the angles where they used her
2: yeah i can imagine i can imagine yeah (laughs) um all right well that's gonna do it for this episode of music of the mad thank you so much for listening and alan thank you so much for being here uh you are just a gem of a guy and this was a gem of an episode and it was absolutely worth the wait to get you on here finally this was just so much fun my friend
1: well, thank you so much for having me on, Andrew. I apologize to you and your listeners for so much rambling um, over the
2: course of the oh, show. Oh, <laughs> no, I love that stuff. Come on, we all do. I, I
1: was very conscious that I was doing it, but also not stopping myself. So, yeah, uh, apologies for that. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, I yeah, hope everyone enjoyed. And uh, I, I've plugged my stuff enough over the course of the show, so you know where to find me. But, uh, uh, yeah, that's uh, it's been great. And, um, yeah, keep listening. Music of the Mad, everybody.
2: Well, thank you. Yeah. And, and again, if we have to do like a part two, a part three, a part 17, whatever, to, to keep getting you back on here, then, then so be it, you know? <laughs> Sounds good, buddy. And Music of the Matt is, of course, part of the Voices of Wrestling podcast network. You can find all the great shows on there at voicesofwrestling.com. Follow the show on Twitter at Music of the Matt. Follow me on Twitter at Andrew T. Rich. Uh, yes, Twitter is still a thing for now, apparently. So we'll see how long that lasts. But um, more importantly, com slash Discord for all discussions and comments. Uh, all sorts of people have joined up lately. Um, I am there. Many other VOW people are there too. Uh, Alan, of course. It's a, it's a real nanny that Discord, Alan, as I'm sure you know.
1: Big Galazzo, Dan. You, you got big stars uh, popping up now in the Discord.
2: Yeah, Matthew from Botchamania is in there now, and uh, David Bixenspan, and uh, TDE Gifts. So uh all the big movers and shakers are in there. That's the place to be, uh, VoicesOfWrestling.com slash Discord. Also, VoicesOfWrestling.com slash donate. For any donations, uh, just click the big donate button beneath the name Music of the Mat. If uh, you donate, hey, thanks so much. You're awesome. And of course, rate, review, subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and many other places. Uh, Alan, thank you again, and I'll see you around. See you, Andrew. Take care, everyone. All right, for Alan Cunahan, I'm Andrew Rich, and I'll see you next time on Music of the Mat. Take care, guys.
0: Music of the Mat is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. The songs used throughout this show are property of their respective copyright holders. do you like wrestling trivia? Then check out the five-star match game, the Pro Wrestling Quiz Show. I'm Joe Gagney, and every episode, I grill three contestants with five rounds of power-packed wrestling trivia. We have over 30 evergreen episodes in the archives covering WWE, AEW, Japan, Mexico, and much, 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 much more. Play along at home and check it out today.